We're glad you're here with us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We pray God's word speaks to your heart today as Pastor Chapman Laxton shares the word with us. Oh man, good morning. That was a really good response. That was, that was really good. Great job, guys. Great job. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time, um, man, I'm so glad you're here. My name is Chapman Laxon, and I am one of the associate pastors here at Christian Missions Church. I'm also the youth pastor here, um, and I am just really excited for the word that God has given me today. Uh, if this isn't your first time, uh, welcome back. Glad you're here. Uh, but uh, I, I want to start off with a passage of scripture that just um, probably... Probably back at the beginning of this year, I really started to make this a part of my prayer um, of who I, who I want to be and, and what do I want to accomplish um, as someone who uh, administers the word and, and as someone who uh, is a preacher, sure, but, but also as a friend, um, as a father, as a brother, and as a son. Um, I want this to be my motivation in everything that I do. So if you have your Bibles, um, uh, turn to Ephesians 3, verse 14. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles... Uh, Move your peepers up here, you can, you can read along with me. Uh, but Ephesians 3, verse 14 is where we're going to start. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from which every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with the power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the, all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the, is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. See, whenever I read that scripture, what I want to do in everything that I do is I want to allow people through the power of God, but through what I do to be able to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep the love of Christ is and how it surpasses all knowledge in everything that I do. In every relationship that I have, my goal should be I want people to experience and to see a new thing or something in God that maybe they've not seen before. When we start living our lives like that, it's all of a sudden it's like, man, that puts a little bit of pressure. But that's how it should be. We're talking about this morning singing songs about uh, the, his rest is like a mantle. It's easy and light. But still, though, in the word, Jesus says, uh, let me put my yoke upon you. It's easy. My burden is light. But it still is a burden. It's still something that we have to carry. We're, we're not just getting to go through this thing, not trying to impact people. We ought to be allowing people to encounter the love of God on a new level every time they meet us. That's when, you're, that's when that Christianity stuff starts coming alive. But see, for us, as, we're, as we are trying to do that, we, we sometimes hit these walls, and what happens is, us as a people, we tend to go only as far as what we think is available. And that's kind of a dust statement. But, but if you really think about it, we stop where we think our limitation is, or when we're talking about God, where we think His limitations are, Right? See, and this is why there's a, there, there's a very high percentage among believers that they only learn all that they know in their faith within the first few years of them becoming saved. Well, what's the big deal with that? Well, if you think about it, if you, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been in this thing for a long time. I've, I was raised in church, and if I stopped with my knowledge of who God was within the first Let's just go with the first 10 years of me being saved. I would be missing out on some real powerful truths that have changed my life that came afterwards because I would put a limitation on God. See, what I want you to know this morning, before we really start diving in, is that we're not trying to teach a performance-based Christianity. So I want you to see it's not about... It's not about how good you do, or to the, to the good that you do, of, of, of well, oh, my performance and being judged on it, but what we're wanting you to see, especially in this church, we're wanting you to see that there's more available to you and for you, okay? But I like this, this, old, this old saying, it's impossible to teach a man what he thinks he already knows, 
I'm going to say it one more time. It's impossible to teach a man what he thinks he already knows. The emphasis is what he thinks he already knows. And I think we've all been in there. If you've ever tried to help somebody, oh, I don't need any help. I've got this thing figured out. And, and what you're trying to say is the whole reason why I'm coming to you, it's not a suggestion. I, you need help. We've got to open up our eyes and our ears sometimes. Why are they at? Oh, maybe there's something. Maybe I've got something going on here. In other words, you can lead a Christian horse to Christian water, but if he doesn't want to drink it, you're just going to drown him in your attempt. And see that, that Christian horse, even though you've presented him the water, you've got him there, the truth's right there, it's all laid out perfect, all he's got to do is open up his mouth and get some of it. Unless he learns to drink it himself and partake of it himself, he'll die of thirst and wonder, well, why? how come nobody ever, oh, here I am being thirsty and no one's ever get offered me a drink. What? See, we've got to understand, this is what happens in people's lives when they start to say, this Christian stuff just doesn't work. You don't understand that the answer is right there, and there's more to it. There's more in it for you than where you're at. There's more to God. I, I think about it like this. If the explorers that we've had that have, that, have, that have made all the maps and they've explored the region of different places, they had to come to a place where they said, you know what I'm tired of looking at? All this stuff I've already seen. I, I want to go look at something I ain't seen before. Well, in order for them to go beyond what they've already had seen, They'd have to go beyond what they'd already seen. Y'all stay with me now. This is pretty deep stuff. See, they had to go beyond what they already had an understanding of, of what they knew that the map looked like this. Well, I wonder what's just beyond that right there. They were going someplace that they had never been before. Y'all following me? Just like explorers exploring new land, we've got to be hungry and understand there's more beyond our understanding of the Lord. There's more beyond our understanding of the Word. There's more beyond the place that we're at right now if we decide that we want to get in the boat and go out and go explore it. There's more. There's more. See, our vision for this year is that the righteous shall live by faith. And, and we know as kind of as a, as a something coming off of that, oh, that sounds bad, something coming off of that. I don't, I don't say it like that. We know, I'll just say it like this, we know that in Romans 10, 17, it says that faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Therefore, if we're going to see an increase of more, if we're going to see more happen, then we have to have more faith that there is more. See, the explorers, whenever they decided, I want to see if there's anything more out there, they had faith enough to believe that there was more out there. See, if they didn't believe that more was out there, they would have never gone out there to see more. Y'all follow me how we're getting there. See, they believed there's more out there for us than just what we've seen. There's more out there for us to understand than just what we know. But we're going to have to go out there and get into it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then it's a necessity for us if we want to go further in what we know about the Lord that we have to have an application of his word. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And at first glance, we can hear that scripture, we can read it, and it can seem condemning to us like, oh, the word of God, it, it, it's, it's sharp and it cuts us. But, but what we don't understand is that without the word of God inside of us, penetrating us, revealing to us the areas of lack, 
we won't ever understand that there's more to be had in the areas where we have little. We have to start with something. We have to start with somewhere. We shouldn't shun our limitations and what we don't know. You can only help where you were born, how you were born. You can only do so much with what you were given. I was born in Oklahoma. I couldn't help it. I can only do so much. But see, all God needs is someone who's willing to let the heart be penetrated by the word to see that there's Oklahoma's good. But Missouri's right over there, and it's pretty good too. Sorry, I better keep moving here. We have to get to a place where we're saying, I want more of God. And we have to sit under the word to reveal it to us. We don't, we don't get that without us sitting under the word and allowing the word to, to penetrate our hearts and to, to divide the soul and spirit. What that means is it's dividing you between your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions of where you think you should be or what you think you know, and your spirit, what resonates within you, who you truly are. Well, I think I've got a pretty good grasp of that. But then you hear the word and you receive it, and it cuts between and it saws between what you think you know and you feel like you know and what you actually know. And the deep, like it says in Psalms, deep calls out to deep, your spirit cries out to the spirit and says, teach me. And what your soul says gets pushed over for a second, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and the spirit says, fill me, fill me, give me more, give me more. We, 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 we coming, we're, coming, we're coming in there. And like we, like we read in Ephesians 3, our scope for the vastness and the depth and the width of God's love begins to make itself more understood. And we begin to realize the limit for the vastness of God is never ending. The limit for its depth is never ending. The limit for its width is, un- is never ending. There's more to our God than what I think I know. There's more to our God than what I have experienced. There's more to our God than what I can imagine. And that's when the power of this word that I have today begins to hit us. We serve the God of more. And that's my title today. The God of more. The God of more. You serve with me the God of more. Not the God of lack, or the God of limited, or the God of some, the God of more. The God of more than whatever your starting point is. The God, the God of beyond full of capacity. The God of beyond full of ability. He's beyond that. See, the scope in which an entity has potential for more has to do with two things, and they're what I just said, ability and capacity. Ability can limit potential for more when the want to runs out of rope with the can do. Ability. Well, God wants to help me, but he can't. He doesn't have the ability. We understand that God's rope for his want to and his can do are the same. They're never ending. So it's not God's ability to give us more that limits his more in us. Y'all with me? Y'all following where, where we're going here? And the second thing is capacity. See, capacity limits more when there's no more room to give or there's no more to give. And what do we know about our Father? What do we know about our Lord? His capacity for more is never ending. Neither in what He has an ability to give or what He can give, nor in what He wants to give you. So then if we understand that God's ability to give us more is not lacking, nor is his capacity to give us more lacking, if there's only two variables in this situation, it's not God that's the limiter, it's us. See, when we get the want to, we get the more. See, I want to set this up because I feel it's important before we really dive in 
that we have to have the right perspective. In faith, we need to know our God, who He is, and what His kingdom is about. And when we're talking about more, we're not talking about it from an earthly standpoint. Romans 14, 17 through 18 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. We need to see that when we're talking about more, it's not about what is the more that I can put into my mouth. Or what's the more that I can get that can satisfy my fleshly desires for more. Because I've always got room for more bluebell ice cream. Jason, my man. And once you've tasted and seen that bluebell is so good, you don't ever want none of that other great value stuff. See, I, I, there's never an end for my, for, for, for my more when it comes to my money. I always want more. If somebody's going to, well, I've got too much. I really don't want to take any more money. No, see, we, we can get in this capacity where we get it all about more and it's all about what can I, me, what can I have, what can I... That's not what the kingdom of God is about whenever God's talking about bringing you more. Matthew 6 really, really exemplifies what we're talking about here. Matthew 6, verse 25 is where we're going to start. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food. It's tough. And the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. I know some of y'all already got this. Y'all don't worry about clothes. So we're going to keep going. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. What I want you to see is when we're talking about the God of more, we're not talking about the God of more like the world has a God of more. Y'all following me? We're not chasing after what the pagans are chasing after when we're talking about more. We're concerning ourselves with the things of heaven. We're concerning ourselves with what God concerns. We're making ourselves be about our Father's business. Y'all with me? The God of more. There's more available to you than our simple carnal pleasures, than our simple saturations of ourselves within the comforts and the confines of our own homes. But we've got to have enough faith to get out the door and go look for it. We've got to see that this, is, that this is what God is trying to offer us. And see, in the totality of all these things that the world offers, in the mores and the, and the thises and the thats, it makes it seem like there's a lot of options for God to bless us. And the world has, a, has, has tried to retool the world blessing and make it look like a blessing is something that's materialistic. And it makes it look like there's a lot of options. But what we have to know is that's the world's design and the devil's design to see what God truly wants to do in our life. And it makes it look appealing. But in reality, there's only two choices. Deuteronomy 30. I promise I'll get into my actual message here in just a second. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Life and prosperity or death and destruction. 
For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, and to keep His commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you the two choices, life and death. And if you were struggling with deciding which one to pick, here's what he says. Now choose life. Choose life. Choose what's going to prosper you in the long run. Choose what's going to give you life and prosperity long term. That's going to allow you to leave a legacy. Not something that's going to wither away and die as soon as you do. Two choices are set before us. Life and death. Let's choose life. And we understand that the life that God has come to give us, like John 10.10 says, is life and life more abundantly. Not just abundant, but more than abundant. And and again, we're not talking about materialistic things. More abundant in peace. More abundant in not having depression. More abundant in having joy. More abundant in having love. More abundant in having grace and mercy. That's the more abundantly that God's trying to take you into. We don't have to live a life plagued by fear. It's in the fullness of God that we truly live life fully. And we have to see that God starts in the unimagined. I can't tell you how many times God has intervened on my behalf and it's beyond what I could have imagined the situation turning out to look like. But that's where God starts with. God starts in the overabundance beyond and above what you could think or imagine. And see, all God's word is trying to do is to come in between soul and spirit and divide. And what God's word is trying to do is push against the confines of the box that you've placed on him so that he can get bigger and bigger and bigger. And show you more and more and more of who he really is. And I've said it to this church and I will continue to say it. God will always fit in however big of a box you bring for him to fit in. And that box is made up of a lot of things. Our experiences, what we think, our upbringings. But see, the word, that's why we need the word of God. We need to hear the word of God and our faith to grow allows our God to grow not that he grows understand it's not he that changes God doesn't change it's our understanding of who God is that changes y'all y'all with me and that's what the word of God is trying to do it's trying to push against the confines of what we try to do and we try to limit him and make him fit in our pocket or fit on our phone or fit on a post or fit on whatever God wants to take us to more for his glory. And the more that God will take us with will come in even the littlest things that we can bring. There's a way out of nothing. We don't have to shun our small beginnings or our small understanding or our small mindedness when it comes to God. All God's looking for is a mustard seed. Remember that? That's all God's looking for is a mustard seed. You don't understand, I only have this small thing. I only have my sinful past. I only have my hurt. You think God's going, oh, shoot, what am I going to do with that? Oh, I've never seen it. Sorry, brother, I can't do nothing for you. Sorry, sister, I'd love to help you. No, God's saying your weakness is what I require to be made strong in you. 
Show me your weak areas. Show me what you don't understand and allow me to confound the wise with your simpleness. Amen. Thank you, God. See, God will bring a remnant out of the stones. He's saying, I will turn the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. God is saying, hear me and fear not. I am enough. As a matter of fact, I am more than enough. So this morning, I want to reveal to you the God of more. And I want to show you three places through faith that the God of more wants to take you. All right? Y'all with me now for my real message? Y'all ready to receive? No, just three, three points. Okay, three points here. Three things the God of more wants to show you through faith. First one, number one, the, in faith, the God of more wants to show you new things. New things. In faith, the God of more wants to show you new things. First Peter 2.2 says, Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Already, we already got the word coming up. I'm not a baby. I'm not a baby. You're not going to. Well, you're new. You've been made new. There are things that you don't know yet. All of us in here that have had to raise kids, they just don't know. And I'm not mad at them for not knowing. Let me grow you and mature you with things that you can handle. Like a newborn baby, crave spiritual milk. God will show you new things, but crave first the spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. We have to see that it's in love that God is recognizing that we are like babies sometimes. You're on the path going from glory to glory. Start sometimes, we have to start sometimes by crawling. And then we get to a place where in maturity we grow. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who had put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the very same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it ever taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, whew, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we come to a place where we have been made saved, we've been made right, and a veil has been taken off of your face. This is all new. You may be in the church and you just got saved a month ago, a year ago, three years ago. You're still only three years old in the Lord. Now I'm not saying it's going to take you 20 years to reach maturity. But allow yourself first to crave the spiritual milk. And be bold. God, I have no idea what this says. Holy Spirit, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. But instead we try because we think, oh, well, this is, this is I'm supposed to just get this. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to have this. I'm supposed to, God's showing you something new. It's okay to ask for directions. You've never been here before. It's okay. You've never been here before. You've never walked in. And sometimes it's not necessarily new like you've been saved. But you've been in the word for a long time. And you hear a new teaching on something that brings revelation. Oh my gosh. This is new. I've not heard it like that before. I've been in church for 20 years, and I've never heard it like that before. It's something new. God's showing you something new. God is not expecting you to 
to fully grasp it and know how to wield it. What he's wanting to do is he's wanting to train you up in it. And don't be afraid to start small. Take baby steps in it. There's new things. In faith, God wants to show you new things. New things. See, God's building something in you. He's starting something new in you. And it's being built off of the foundation that was first planted in you whenever you were saved. And the first thing that was planted in you whenever you get saved is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. That sets you. It marks you. It gives you from everything else that gets built inside of you is this cornerstone and the, and the base foundation of who Jesus Christ is and was and will continue to be. But the point is to build on it. So there will be new things that get built in you if you are in the faith. It doesn't just stop and end with Jesus died on a cross for your sins. Have a great day. No, he didn't just die. He was raised to life. And in the newness of life, we were allowed access to the Holy Spirit. And from the cornerstone of who Christ is, Jesus Christ out of his own mouth said, it's good that I leave you and go away. The point being is that something better was going to come for our benefit. And that better that came for our benefit was the Holy Spirit that now rests inside each and every single one of us. Something new was placed on the inside of you that is trying to build you up, that is trying to build something new in you. Second Peter 2, verse 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Are being built. Are being built. That means presently, currently, you are being built. Off of the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, Inside of you, new things are being built. Things that you never thought could be built on the inside of you. I didn't know that I didn't have to walk around anxious to shake somebody's hand. But I don't have to be. I, I didn't realize that just because dinner gets overcooked, it doesn't ever happen in my house, I'm just saying. Trust me, I ain't missing no meals. That I don't have to fly off the handle and belittle my wife. New things get built inside of you that you didn't even know you could operate in. Generational curses. Nope. Uh, predispositions to things. Nope. Something new is built inside of you. Something New, never before seen. It's a brand new you being built up off of the cornerstone of Christ. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Something new. It's the first thing that God will take you to through faith in more. The second thing that God, that the God of more through faith wants to give you. Truths about old things. Truths about old things. And in this... For those of you that are taking notes, there's kind of two subsections sub, sub here. There's his old things, and there's your old things. And real quick, we're going to touch on both of them. When it comes to his old things, I was thinking about an example, and I think that a lot of us in here can relate to this. It's kind of like when your wife asks you, men to go look for something in the refrigerator 
Rod, I know what ketchup looks like. Bottle says ketchup on it. I've seen it before. I can see going 80 miles an hour down the highway out of the corner of my eye, little flicks of white, and I can count how many deer are on the side of the highway going 80 miles an hour down the road. Hey, look, there's 15 deer out there. Ain't that cool? But for some reason, stop now, ladies. But for some reason, whenever I'm given something that I have to go find, and I open up the, the, my refrigerator, my refrigerator is not like the love of God. It has a very limited set of confines and height and depth. And I open it up, it's like, oh, And ladies, just, just know, ladies, just know, the more adamant, we're all out of ketchup. The more confident that we say, must be out, we're frightened. <laughs> we're terrified. Because what's probably going to happen is you're going to come right in there. It's literally right here. Ladies, if I could, oh, what's something like, oh, it's kind of like when you look for something in your purse. So, okay, well, I'm going to move on. All right, all right, so anyway, anyway, so that example, God's old things. Sometimes God is leading you to something in the word that you have looked at before, you have opened up before, you didn't find it. It's kind of like for some of us in here, fourth grade. We just had to just take another look at fourth grade again. You know, some of us, it was the best five years of our life, right? No. But sometimes you just have to have another look at it. You don't, you opened it up, it was right there. Ain't nothing in this for me. God's trying to show you his old things again so that you can find what you're truly looking for. God, just send me a new word. I'm so tired of hearing Chapman or Pastor Ashley or Melanie get up here and preach about God just, you need to listen from one of Ashley's sermons he did four years ago. He taught on that, but you weren't here. Uh-oh. No, you need to go back and listen again. Well, they just preached on that down there, but I didn't get anything out of it. Well, you need to look again. Because it's, it's right there. It's got ketchup on it. <laughs> and what you're looking for is just, you've opened it. You've done all the work to get in there. You know what it looks like. You know what it tastes like. You know how it ought to be. And for whatever reason, first look, you didn't see it. But whenever you hear your wife's footsteps coming, <laughs> go back and look again. Oh, I found it, found it, found it. Sometimes there are times in our life that we go through, situations that happen that quicken us, and our eye, we get a little bit more, I don't know what it is, I'm not saying that God makes you desperate, but I'm just saying there are things that we do that for whatever reason, we look again and we find it. Y'all with me? Y'all with me on that? Okay, the second thing though, in this subgroup, well, that was his past things, sometimes God wants you to take a second look at your past things and we're going to go to Nehemiah for this. Nehemiah 4, verse 1. You know, setting this up, the, they were getting ready to rebuild the city. And all they had was this monumental failure to build off of. All they had was this monumental failure of torn down, broken wall, broken city that they were going to... And what you got to know is sometimes God's taking you to your past things that you don't think there's any way this could be built back up again. God's just saying, pick up a bucket and let's get started. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. And was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the, Jew, the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? 
Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls. What are you doing? So the enemy comes back. What are you even trying to attempt? This is so messed up. You're not fixing this. That failure, you're not. What are you going to? You're going to do this all in a day? You're going to. And the questioning and the piling on and the condemnation from the enemy will come upon you as you try to as you try to revisit these old things as the Lord is trying to show you more in these old things the questions start to just build and build and build what were you going to do mel taught on this this whole thing and i encourage you about a year ago go back and listen to what she said but one of my favorite things that i pulled out of that at the god of more what he's saying is the only way we're going to get this thing built, and I'm prepared to do it with you, is one block at a time. The way we get to more, and the way we get this thing fixed, is one block at a time. One stone at a time. Okay, that's like this. Okay, let's pick it up. You know, whenever I was a kid, we used to help my granddad with, with, it, with their farm and, and tilling stuff up. We used to have to go out in the field after we would till and we'd have to pick up rocks and we would we would literally do a truckload of rocks at a time before we'd get to take a break and the way granddad would what granddad would say to encourage us would be you want to know how you get a truckload of rocks picked up we'd say well how granddad he'd say one rock at a time you, you the only way you pick up a truckload of rocks is if you pick up a truckload of rocks and it was kind of like, thanks, Granddad. So glad I get to be here all summer. But what you learn in that is, what God's saying is, this broken down thing, your, your defeat, monumental defeat. Now you're trying to come in and you're trying to fix this. The enemy will be outraged. That's the side of his victory. That's the place of his victory. You think that the enemy wants you rebuilding what he tore down? And maybe he tore it down because you let him. Do you think that the enemy is just going to let you fix that and repair that? Absolutely not. We keep, we keep reading in it and it says that they get to a place in verse 4. It says, so we rebuilt the wall till all its height, uh, till it reached half its height, for the, perp for the people worked with all their heart. Don't get to a place where, you've, where you have revisited and you've rebuilt and, okay, this looked like garbage. Now it only looks like half garbage. Sweet. Oh, it's half the height that it needs to be. If you're going to do something, let's do it right. If you're going to rebuild the wall and you're going to rebuild the city, you're going to take back what the enemy tried to take from you, what the God of Moore is trying to say is, let's do this thing all the way right. Let me rebuild you brick by brick by brick by wrong thought. Throw that away. Right thought come in. Right thought come in. Piece by piece, God wants to build. And he's not mad. He's not frustrated. He's not, he's not upset with you. Gosh, I wish we'd hurry this up. The Bible says that God views us as his craftsmanship in Ephesians. When I think about a craftsman, an expert craftsman in whatever the trade is, where they make their money, the high-end ones, you know where they make their money at? In the detail. Quality over quantity. We're going to do this right. 
and it's going to take time, but I take pleasure in it because the finished product after we've worked and I've taken you with me, that's how God sees you. The old things, your old things that were broken down and torn apart, God wants to rebuild for his glory. The last thing, last point. The God of more through faith wants to bring to life the dead things. The dead things. The things that you've given up on, the things that you see no hope in, the things that you, you made your peace with. If only I could have had God here. But that's dead, so I'm moving on. One of my favorite stories, John 11. We're going to start in verse 32. It's the story of Lazarus. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. How many of us have been there? How many of us have been there? God, if only I would have known you like I know you now and you could have been here whenever I was going through this, God. You could have saved me. You could have saved this hurt. You could have stopped this situation. You could have. How many of us are like that? And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. See, Jesus sees how you're hurting. Jesus sees those things that you've buried. He sees how much it affects you. And it, he, he recognizes it. And he is deeply moved in the spirit on your case. He, he asks her, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. In the smallest passage in the whole, in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. Then says, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the, womb, uh, came to the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. For it has been there four days. And this is what we do. See, Lord, I've already made peace that this is dead. God, I've already made peace with this. This is, this is my past sin. And this, this thing happened to me. This tragedy marked me. That secret sin haunts me. That infidelity. That thing that you had no control over happening to you. You feel like you'll never be whole again. God, God, it's going to stink. What Jesus is saying is, I will move on your behalf if you will open that situation up to me. If you will roll that stone out of the way, I will raise to life what you thought that you buried, that you thought could never, could never come back and you have life, you be made whole again. You never thought, Jesus, what he, said, what he says to us, he said to her, did I not tell you that if you would believe that you would see the Son of, that you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. See, the situation, the thing that happened to you, the, the problem, the past, the, the past hurt, the thing that you buried, that you made peace with, that you didn't really understand, what God's saying is, I will make that come to life. I will make that area of your life come to life again. 
if you'd only move that stone out of the way. But God, it's going to stink. God, it's awful. God, so much time has passed. What you've got to see is that God's not disgusted by bringing new things to life. God's not grossed out. What happened to you doesn't scare God. The hurt, the pain, the the, the problem, the sin, the rejection, the the character flaw, the character trait, the God of more is saying, roll the tomb out away. Let me speak to the situation that, that, that happened to you. And see if I don't move on your behalf. See, what I want you to see is that the God of more has more for us if we'll let him. If we'll allow God, as I close today, if we'll allow God to operate and move, he wants to show us new things. He wants to give us a fresh look on old things. And he wants to raise some things that were dead back to life. Don't be ashamed or condemned because of you not knowing, you not understanding. Don't don't feel like your small beginning is a limiter on God's ability or capacity. We already hopefully tore that down. God's ability and God's capacity for more in your life are infinite, just like he is. God is capable and able to do more than you could ever possibly imagine. And he starts in your weakness. The word of God is alive. And it shall not return to him void. But that promise is only on the word when we take it out of the package and we apply it. That promise and that anointing is only on the word when we take it out of the package and we apply it to our situation. God's always trying to show you his width, his length, his height, and his depth. And God's love and his mercy and his grace are infinite. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.